0: heavenly features is brought to you by 18 maiden lane productions
1: hello and welcome to heavenly features a podcast where myself sophie and my friend kim hey how's it going get together every week to talk about films that we have recommended to each other we recommend one film each and then come together to talk about them so kim which film have you chosen this week
0: Okay, so uh, because we are, for the entire month of December, doing all holiday-themed films, uh, this week I have chosen the 2015 classic lesbian Christmas movie, Carol. Uh, so this was written by Phyllis Nagy and directed by Todd Haynes. Uh, it stars the amazing Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara and Sarah Paulson. So, Carol is based on the 1952 novel, The Price of Salt, by Patricia Highsmith. Uh, so, Carol pl- uh, takes place in the early 1950s New York, where uh, Therese, played by Rooney Mara, is working at a department store, and she meets Carol, played by Kate Blanchett, uh, an older woman who is shopping for her daughter's Christmas present. So, they immediately are infatuated with each other, uh, where they spot each other across the room. Uh, And Carol plays one of the oldest tricks in the book uh, and leaves her gloves behind. So the two soon start spending a lot of time together and they end up going on a road trip and they actually end up being spied on by an investigator uh, hired by Carol's soon-to-be ex-husband so that he can use a morality clause to gain full custody of their daughter, Rindy. So Carol goes back to her husband and tries to not to lose her daughter, leaving Therese with with Carol's ex slash best friend, which again is a classic lesbian move, uh, who is Abby, played by Sarah Paulson. So Carol tries everything to sort of go back and live the life that the people around her want her to live. She goes to therapy to, quote, cure her, uh, but she finds that she can't change who she is, shockingly enough, uh, and ends up giving a really moving speech where she... Basically, gives up full custody of Rindy as long as she can see her, because she just can't do it anymore. She can't pretend to be someone she's not. She can't live this lie. There is a happy-ish payoff in this film uh, where the women do end up together. Uh, So you know, it's it's not all doom and gloom. And uh, basically, yeah, I chose this film because. Who doesn't love a queer Christmas film? Firstly, it's it's a must. You have to have at least at least one queer Christmas film every year. But also because it's just a beautifully made film. Uh, it was it was really important when it came out because uh, it was like critically acclaimed lesbian Christmas movie uh, with a happy ending. It's just such a beautifully made film. Like it, it, the cinematography, the score, the acting. Like it's just it's just such a beautiful film that even now this is sacrilege to say but even if you take out the like lesbian element of it you can watch it as a just a beautifully made film the lesbian element obviously helps a lot but <laughs> uh so yeah i, I uh, it's one of the films that i watch every christmas now
1: well it's a weird thing that you kind of said about kind of even if you took out like the lesbian aspect of it because i was looking into whether they'd ever tried to adapt the novel into a film before and one of the options, I believe it was actually not that long after the the book had come out, so it was sometime in the nineteen fifties, was to do it, but to change Carol to Carl. Now I don't know how much of the uh how much truth lies in that, but that was what I was like reading when I was looking up about kind of adaptations of this because I kind of thought, you know, Patricia Highsmith, surely there have been like another attempt to adapt this amazing novel, this groundbreaking novel, where um you know first of all there's no barrier gaze in this which is lovely um and uh, you know there's a there's yep. a somewhat happy ending there's there's a more established happy ending in the novel from what i remember than um in, in the film but uh the fact that they get together at the end is such a monumentous thing and of course Patricia Highsmith um wrote strangers on a train which alfred hitchcock filmed so again, like there's been success with her novel, uh, being, you know, written and put into uh, film. So I wondered if there had been an early one. So I don't know if that's uh, how much truth there is to that, because it was just something I stumbled across, as I was doing a little bit of research into whether there have been any any adaptations. But I mean, imagine taking this like, iconic, lesbian story and making it into a heterosexual (laughs) just to get just to get around the
0: haze code whoever came up with carl can just fuck off (laughs) like absolutely not imagine no one would go and see the christmas movie carl unless it was unless
1: it was about a bisexual man who was divorcing his husband to have an affair with a woman. Um, that's the only way. Like looking at what the situation, because Carol's obviously divorcing her husband to have a relationship with a woman. It was a bisexual man.
0: <laughs> or if he was divorcing his wife to have a relationship with a man but that wouldn't get through the
1: case i was just very much looking at it (laughs) from like transporting like
0: putting car where carol is i mean they did try uh, like not on a on that scale of things but do you remember the uh story that cameron esposito told about how she was on a i'm gonna say united airlines flight but i could be wrong and she was watching carol and They'd gotten rid of any of the kissing or sex scenes from mm-hmm. the whole movie, and so they they complained like or they tweeted about it, and uh, by the time they landed, their tweet had gotten so much like traction that you like United Airlines had had to like release an apology and like not continue to <laughs> delete all of the scenes.
1: But also, like I mean, we're skipping ahead a little bit, but. Um... The sex scenes are really beautiful and not gratuitous at all. This is not like uh, blue is warm as colour, <laughs> you know, which is it's a <laughs> no. lot more graphic. Um, I can understand <laughs> perhaps choosing to not put that on an airplane plane where you might have children sit behind you. Because regardless of the orientation of the people <laughs> in that sex scene, it's very graphic. Um, whereas this is much more kind of beautifully done and, and much less explicit. There's really only like some boobs that you see and that's like literally it
0: oh don't forget about the back you see you do see a
1: lot of back it's very artistically done in a way that is quite nice because it's not voyeuristic and it's not
0: through a male lens well no especially because it's directed by a queer man yeah he's not interested (laughs) (laughs) he's looking at it from the artistic point of view not like
1: yeah but i just think it's it's bizarre because it's really not very graphic at all
0: they didn't even just get rid of like they got rid of any kissing and there's not even that much kissing no not at all It's more about the looks and the the longing stares and the moments, which don't get me wrong, I love, but you need the payoff of the sex scene. And I don't mean that in a a creepy way. I mean it in like a... That's what it's all leading up to. It's all building up to this love and romantic... It's all about this tension, isn't it? And,
1: um, you know, this somewhat trapped woman in her, I want to say, 30s, um, who... maybe she's a little bit older because she's certainly older in the film isn't she I guess I think she's meant to be in her 30s in the book but um are you talking
0: about Carol Rooney Mara Carol okay I was gonna say I think I think she's a lot younger but yeah yeah uh
1: so Therese is meant to be like 21 23 something like that and I think Carol in this film is meant to be maybe closer towards her 40s maybe um, yeah, I
0: thought she'd be in her for- early forties.
1: Um, and uh, but it's about these two people. She, you know, uh, Therese is like the ingenue, and um, Carol is this more experienced. Well, no, a trapped but slightly more experienced person, because it seems like she's only ever had one other pa- relationship, perhaps with a woman, and that was with Abby. Um, and that kind of blossomed more from a friendship and then back into a friendship than a love. Um, in like in the romantic sense um, and how they they see each other and they have this um initial reaction to each other into in each other's presence that leads to this kind of flirtation and then because of the times they are speaking in such a coded way sometimes not even with language sometimes through looks some through sometimes through you know like the touch of a shoulder and all these sort of things because they can't say or fully express themselves how they want to because of the times and anyone could be watching. Well not even
0: just I mean the the, the the times and obviously because I mean this is set in like early 50s like 52 so the times have something to do with it but even to this day you're not always safe to show full affection to your partner as a queer couple.
1: Well I feel like that, so... that lunch where they have that really odd sounding concoction of a meal of Did you pick up on that? It was like cream spinach (laughs) omelet with a martini and a cigarette. I was like, this is, this sounds nauseating, but sure. And there
0: was something like egg involved. Oh, omelet. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I was such a vegan, you can't even remember that egg for an (laughs) omelet. I know.
1: But yeah, um, the fact that they're kind of testing each other to see oh, is this uh, uh, got any potential? To becoming some kind of romantic thing or not and they're testing the waters because they don't want to just kind of literally come out and say, I'm gay, wanna get down with it. Um because you can't do that <laughs> in you know and even nowadays a lot of the time you don't you you can't always be so upfront depending on where you are. And how you meet people. Well, no, you've got to you've
0: got to do that testing the water to see if someone's queer. You've got to kind of, or whether it's just a friendship. Turn on, that you're going turn on into. the gate on. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Is there anything? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know. And then even when you find out if they're queer or not, it's like, okay, now- you're queer, but are we just. Are we just hanging out as buddies or yeah. is this, you know, is this a date? And sometimes even at the end of a date, you're like, well, was that a date? I don't fucking know. <laughs> like...
1: Exactly. Um, so there's a lot of kind of tension built in that. And uh, it's definitely about like the blossoming of two people coming from different stages in their life, um, recognizing their identities and also their newfound love for each other. That's kind of what the story is about and the adversities that they have to uh, they, they find themselves up against because Carol obviously has this um, tumultuous relationship with Harge, which is one of the worst names I think I've ever heard um, <laughs> with him um, and his her divorce from him um, clearly brings out the worst side in him and his jealousy um, and so he's trying to undermine and, and take her down Um, because he's not happy about that. And then Therese is um, trying to emerge as a independent, successful photographer, um, or photojournalist. And yet, every single guy she encounters seems to want to either be inappropriate and kiss her when she's clearly not into it, or um, seems to be like, really interested in her um, and not leave her alone. She gets a lot of sexual advances from people um, or interest. Um, And so she's kind of confronting that and the fact that actually this doesn't do it for her. Um, She's had this long relationship with this this guy. I want to say his name was Richard. um, And clearly she's sending out signals that she doesn't really want to move forward with it. But uh, she hasn't... Maybe being able to pinpoint exactly why until she gets asked to go on this trip with Carol, and she throws all of her money into this, this kind of fling, this affair, um, when she wouldn't do, you know, commit to anything with Richard.
0: I mean, look, it, it, it's obviously the whole Richard not taking the hint of any of the signs that she's giving that she doesn't want to move forward. I think more so is is even more telling of the times. Yeah, like, and her not really knowing what to do. Like saying about how she can't just she doesn't know whether she wants to marry him whereas it's like if you're asked to be married Mm -hmm. back then it's like oh okay well yeah because we can't do anything until we're married, we can't move forward we can't move in together, we can't start a life whereas now obviously it's much more socially acceptable to move in as like I'm talking like heteronormative couple Uh, move in together or do whatever like have sex do like start your life together without having all of this paperwork so you can actually it's like a, a trial run, but that sounds wrong because I don't mean it as in well it means nothing if you just live together and aren't married. I don't mean it like that at all. But like back then there was such set boundaries of what you're expected, especially as a woman. Mm. This is what you're expected to do. Like you're expected to like maybe fair enough, if you want to start your own life and do whatever for a little while, absolutely it's great. Go out, explore, do whatever but only within these boundaries and then as soon as a man likes you you're meant to drop all of that get married have babies because that's the whole point you're here for
1: oh definitely and also it's incredibly gay to just essentially say yes 100% go on this random field trip uh, you know or road trip um (laughs) at the drop of a hat it's basically like moving in after a first date
0: um, the equivalent of <laughs> i mean most lesbian first dates are like a minimum of six hours long like minimum <laughs> like if you don't get to the six hour mark you're like well that was a fail <laughs> like so i mean the second date being a fucking road trip over weeks makes perfect sense exactly
1: <laughs> exactly <laughs> Like, are you willing to leave your job, give everything up, come with me, go on this random trip with someone you really don't know that well, but you just feel like there's some kind of sexual tension there? Are you willing to take that risk?
0: Yeah, it's not even like at that point they've kissed or expressed out loud their feelings for each other. No. Like, they're going on this road trip kind of to all outside views and potentially they're not sure either themselves as friends. Like, these two acquaintances but they're going as friends
1: well i think also the the good thing about the road trip is it kind of allows them to live almost like outlaws where they don't have to live within the rules of society i mean they do to a certain extent but everybody would just see them as being like girlfriends you know not not as in a girlfriend but you know like just two girls who are friends and of course, they could share a room together, and that's not a problem. What, why would you ever think that? And they just travel well, around. Well, and
0: also because there's, you know, twin beds. Exactly.
1: So And they can just, um, you know, travel around freely as two girls going on a trip together and kind of live outside of the expectations, certainly, um, of uh, society, but also free themselves from the responsibilities and the restrictions put upon them by their boyfriends or ex husbands or family life or. The position, your social position, or anything like that, you are able to kind of just have this freedom to explore, and then come back to reality at the end. And unfortunately, um, their trip is broken up by Carol being very awfully brought back to reality by the fact that this person has been hired to listen in and record um her having sex with another woman basically an incredibly intimate moment that she shared with someone and that's been recorded to be used against her so she can no longer see her child and it's like what i find interesting is when she has that confrontation with harsh and she says we're not ugly people i thought really because hiring somebody to do that is a really fucking ugly thing to do
0: beyond it beyond firstly the fact that you could at that time even use that and it's it's still up until really pretty recently that you could say oh well she's a lesbian so she's morally corrupt and shouldn't be around children yeah like it's disgusting but the fact that someone who because he got hurt decides to go out and do that and she even says at one point oh if he can't have me he won't let anyone else have me yeah it's like this like trying to hurt someone in the worst way possible but it's not just hurting her it's it's the tale as old as time story of using the kids to hurt each other and he's fucking up not only her life but rindy's as well yeah i think
1: that it was interesting because clearly this is an issue of i want to say sex but more i mean by gender um <laughs> <laughs> of course like sex is used as a reason for um you know harsh's argument but the idea that it doesn't matter how wealthy you are what position you're in how privileged you are in so many different ways you are still a woman who is going to have to you're you're never going to win in this system in the 1950s in particular but you're never going to win the system against a man who is using the whole of the patriarchy and moralities of the time and the beliefs of the time to um, minimize you and to take away your power.
0: Well, that's the other thing. So back then, with take Carol for example, obviously leaving leaving Harge, she could be fired for being a lesbian in a job. Legally, that was that was grounds to be fired. If they find out you're a lesbian, you can be fired. So she potentially could not only lose her daughter, lose her her husband and the the finances as a couple, but also maybe not go going forward, not be able to keep a job because you could be fired just for being a lesbian. Yeah. And and that's if you get hired, like, for being a woman.
1: <laughs> but I do want to go back in time to the antique furniture place and buy some chairs off her. because um, imagine her selling you antique furniture oh my god
0: firstly yes (laughs) also where is my beautiful rich woman who turns up at my doorstep doorstep with a fucking camera like top of the range camera
1: oh i see i
0: thought you meant like filming you for a moment i was like no (laughs) oh god no no no, thank you no (laughs) i mean no no thank you um no as a a present yeah I was like, seriously? Mm. Seriously. Kate, where are you? <laughs> like...
1: But I think it was her trying to encourage Therese. And I think in many ways that was um, one of the... like. Obviously she, uh, Therese has this um, immediate reaction to Carol when she sees her at the shop. And this is draw- draws her to her in many ways. But when, when Carol gives her that camera It is her saying it's okay to follow your dreams pursue your dreams you don't need to necessarily conform to what is expected to you of to you of a woman um as a woman you don't have to do that you can be a career-minded person you don't have to get married and give up your dreams um and in many ways the only way for her to do that at that time was either to do it independently as a single woman or she could do it in a lesbian relationship that she probably couldn't ever or she would be limited at achieving that if she did it in a heterosexual relationship at the time
0: well yeah because her boyfriend who wanted to be her fiance was like fair enough she was she was only pursuing photography at the time like she wasn't doing that as her career she wanted to she was learning but yeah exactly she wanted to she that was her her goal, but her boyfriend wasn't like, oh my God, yes, you should go to the Times. Like, I have friends who work in this newspaper. Like, let's like see if we can support you with this. He was like, no, drop everything and come to Europe. Why won't you just drop everything and come to Europe? I want to go to Europe. Drop everything and come to Europe.
1: If I remember correctly, and it has been a few years since I read the book, but um, his character puts a lot of pressure on um, Therese. um. Throughout the first half of the book, not just from his own expectations of her um, and what he, he him wanting more out of her in a relationship, but also um, his family. He does a lot of kind of emotional kind of uh, manipulation or tries to to try and get her to um, kind of go on this trip with him and things like that. If, if I remember correctly, which they obviously cut from the film they cut quite a bit of stuff themselves. they do
0: they do put a little bit of that in though with with they like oh come round for christmas yeah i expecting you yeah
1: so she has so many especially because uh god it's been so long since i read the book but i'm pretty sure she doesn't really have parents uh that are around it,
0: it didn't come across that she did in this. no i
1: think she uh lost her parents or they're absent in her life for some reason so there's other other kind of emotional tie there, well, um, <laughs> but I also like that the camera kind of was such a perfect gift, not only for her as a um, what you know as wanting to have that as a career, but it gave us so many opportunities to see. Um, obviously, we we see them staring at each other in these moments of tension and love and lust and all of these things coming through their their glances at each other and the way they look at each other. But then we get to see it from a completely different perspective, through the lens of the camera, through the pictures that she takes of Carol, um, and the affection that are in those pictures, and the softness that are in those pictures, and it gives this extra element, because, again, in the book, she actually wants to be I think it's a theatre set designer or something like that. that is different career. It's still in the arts, but it's a different career. So they've often made this particular choice to, to change it to a camera. A different
0: um, idea, which in is a very sort of um, lesbian trope again. Having the one of the characters being a like photographer, uh, but it does show such a different angle, as you were saying, like a different angle of, of you can see it through the lens. You can see it, and they do say that the people who take the best photographs of you are the ones who love you the most.
1: Yeah, exactly, and it's what Therese can kind of last on in these, what, three months that she is separated from Carol um because Carol basically abandons her in the middle of the night. Um uh, But that keeps her kind of going, having all these pictures of her that she is not going to exploit. She just wants to keep for herself.
0: And also the, the abandoning her, I, uh, like as heartbreaking as that scene was, I thought that Abby handled it so well she was like when when therese says why do you hate me and abby is like i wouldn't be here if i hated you the fact that abby drove all the way there and i know she did it for carol but like imagine having someone in your life that you've broken up with or whatever and then they would just drop everything and go and help you in whatever situation you need it's very thelma and louise
1: i think that it's um it's for carol but i think it's probably also because she's like she's one of us protect our own <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> not only not only is she yes queer queer community queer family obviously yeah. um but also i think she's been in that situation with carol slightly
1: yes i would like to see i would have liked to see more of abby in the film she i think a lot of her stuff was cut from what i understand it was a much longer film that they cut down to two hours um and I would have liked to see a little more of their um, her friendship and uh, hints of their relationship or she has this kind of strange um, kind of homebody existence with Carol. She's just always around her house in the book anyway um, where she's just always there helping as if she's almost like a living wife in some sense um, but they're not obviously got that relationship anymore uh, but I would like to have seen, if there was ever the possibility, just a little more of Abby, and obviously Sarah Paulson,
0: um,
1: in the in the film.
0: I think we should start a campaign. And I know this wouldn't be a happy ending romance, but I think we should have a Carol pre- prequel. Yes. Of the Carol and Abby story. Yes,
1: that would be amazing.
0: Right? Because we know we get a happy ending in this, kind of. Um obviously there's some sadness in the fact that she has to basically give up most of her rights with rendy but you know she gets the girl but there, there um, is a
1: positive in the book she gets an apartment that they and and therese
0: actually moves into the apartment whereas it's left which is which is very much implied in this that that's what's going to happen implied, but- carol gives the apartment says you know i'm moving into this but And then like, obviously, they do the looks at the end. And so much is said through those looks at the end.
1: But it's such a bold thing to be like, I know I abandoned you for three and a half months, but will you move in with me? (laughs) When you meet? I love you, move in with me. Oh, I mean, it's very
0: lesbian as well.
1: (laughs) I like that Therese also stood up for herself a bit more there. She's so meek through a lot of this film. And by that point she actually says no
0: well that's i think that sh- they show that in two ways not only through through her saying no but also when carol's in the cab and sees Therese walking mm. across the street yeah she's changed everything from her her stance her outfit everything she's blossomed into a woman mm. through that time yeah she's become a like, her she's person. come into her own yeah.
1: yeah
0: and i think but i think that the the end
1: where you get this these glances I mean, obviously, you kind of know that she probably is going to go and meet with Carol and she's going to join her and she's going to, they're going to have this happy ending because otherwise, why would she have turned up? But I think you could also read into it that she got there and she saw Carol being kind of smarmy and entertaining in this class that she is not a part of and that she could be intimidated by that and not feel like she could fit in. Do you know what I
0: mean? Oh, see, I did not. I didn't read that at all. I don't think it's. I like. I don't
1: think it's meant to be that. But I could just could see that that was could be part of it. That she could feel like she's out of her depth a little. But unless, Nevertheless, she might still jump in. Do you know what I mean?
0: I mean, yeah. She if she if she doesn't jump in, she loses Carol. Exactly. Like you jump in if Carol asks you to. <laughs> 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 yeah. I just yeah I think that the the as much as it is a happy ending it's not like a fully happy ending
1: it's a happy ending right. for the times this is the best you could get yes. because the other films that she or I say like the other books that she read that were turned into films um have been um strangers on the train which uh it has kind of homoerotic undertones but is not explicitly gay um but it's Okay, um, and then, but that does not necessarily end in, in a happy ending. And then you've got the talented Mr. Ripley, which um, Kate Blanchett was also in the adaptation with Jude Law and um, Matt Damon, um, which has a really horrific murder in that you witness. So this is a happy ending
0: as far as Patricia Highsmith goes. She, this is a happy ending. This also, I mean. In in nineteen fifty two, I was when I was researching a bit, yeah. Uh, like it, the publication of of the price of salt was like obviously she had to do it. She did it under a pseudonym, mm. but also um, it was only like the second book. Oh, no, sorry, the first book to have a lesbian happy ending. Like it because it was very much like in in the fifties they had the obscenity regulations, mm. like. Uh, and I know they sort of began to relax in in the 50s and this came out in 52 so it it wasn't even possible before that to have a happy ending or or even really publish them like mm. it wasn't until 58 that it stopped being deemed completely obscene yeah i think that also
1: the reason why she used a um pseudonym would have been because this story is incredibly to her own experiences and she probably did not want to run the risk of being outed uh, publicly because well yeah absolutely is her in many ways she she um said uh, patricia Heisman said about seeing this woman um this blonde woman and becoming completely infatuated with her and having this kind of um full body sensation towards this woman that she observed when she herself was working in a toy shop
0: so and it was like a high, so- high society woman who I mean they only dated for like a year. Yeah. So it's not the exact same. it's not like a complete biography or whatever yeah. but it's 100% based on her real experience.
1: Exactly. And I think that um you have to be pretty careful <laughs> about these things um when you're writing that. Yeah. So completely understand why she um I think it wasn't until they were bringing out um a special edition in the 90s that she actually put her name on it for the first time um
0: yeah i think it was i think it was like 1990 they they did it with and and then they they changed the name of it to carol yes and used her own name well yeah uh, so like it says i i i looked it up in, on on wikipedia like it says that the first lesbian paperback novel was spring fire um and it that sort of was considered the beginning of lesbian pulp fiction genre uh that was published in 1952 as well wow so that and that was written by a lesbian um called Mary Jane Meeker and uh but under the pen name Vin Packer again having to use different names yeah. um and that ended unhappily so and and she actually said uh Mary Jane Meeker said that The Price of Soul was the only lesbian no- novel, either in hard or soft cover, with a happy ending.
1: Yeah.
0: And I mean, I wish that that sounded so alien. I really wish that that sounded like such an alien concept that, what? Like, not no happy ending ones? But we have only recently basically come out of the bury your gaze time. Like, certainly. anytime town. you see... Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. But anytime you see a lesbian on tv or film you immediately expect there to be a stray bullet
1: like that it, or then to be an inconsequential character where it doesn't matter what happens to them. well
0: yes just for sweeps week and then oh kill them off or they just disappear yeah. Yeah. or suddenly go back to a man
1: yeah so i think yeah i think it's just um yeah we've we've come a, a long way but this really this really was like a revolutionary book um that probably i would imagine for for many queer people particularly queer women probably made a life being true to themselves possible or seem possible through having a positive uh book to be able to to read and, and engage in that story and i think the film does the same yeah. thing the film for a new oh my audience God, yes. does the same thing
0: well also because in 2015 we still didn't have a holiday lesbian movie with a happy ending. Exactly. Like, this, and this is critically acclaimed. Well, that's, like, this is... that's the difference as well,
1: is that it is a film that is well-regarded. This isn't, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love a bit of trash, but this is not trash. This is a well-regarded, um, artistically created, um, well-considered, uh, lots good of budget. good budget, lots of um, uh, well-known people in it uh yeah. this this is done you know a good director all these things that there has been time and energy and focus and love put into this film and it shows and the backing the backing of it exactly the distribution of it the fact that it got yeah. a lot of re- awards or was nominated for a lot of
0: awards and even if the aeroplanes did fuck up it was on aeroplanes exactly <laughs> like, this is such an important movie and yes, at times it is quite slow, but I think it's done in such a beautiful, artistic way. Yes,
1: I would. I would say because of the pacing, it's not one that I could rewatch over and over again within a short period of time. But no. that doesn't take anything away from it. It's certainly one that you could get out every year to watch for Christmas, just like you'd watch. It's a and wonderful I do, life, and we'll continue to. <laughs> well, you're very, you're very pleased because we're starting to have this real, um, you know back catalogue crate being created of uh, queer particularly uh, female queer uh, lesbian films
0: for Oh, Christmas honestly there needs to be more and I I am so on board for the fact that this year we have a Lifetime a Hallmark like we have just the generic Christmas channels mm. and I know they're not just Christmas channels believe me I know that Lifetime and Hallmark do whatever but like We have the the ones that the straights every year get a shit ton of new cheesy, generic, romance Christmas films. And we are getting them as queer folk now. Yeah, we want to watch trash as well. Yes, I want to watch (laughs) trash that's not just like, look at this white man and white woman getting together because he sells Christmas trees and she's a high-end... Like publisher who uh, is just so stressed and has to go home for the holidays and doesn't want to. I want to see that. But with a woman <laughs> being stressed and a woman chopping down the trees or a man or a trans person, I want to see all of the queers at Christmas. <laughs>
1: oh, imagine having a season like on a TV show, like TV channel. You know, like you have um, like TCM and stuff who have like Christmas... Marathon films and things like that and you could have just queer as a Christmas season. Oh, that'd be so good. Oh, shut up.
0: <laughs> oh my god. I would I would subscribe to whatever cable or whatever it is just to watch that. <laughs> like, oh yes, yeah. we need it. Well, in fairness, we are getting more and more queer content and more and more queer channels and distributions like it, it which is great. We still need a hell of a lot more. But we are moving in the right direction, and I'm very excited about
1: it. I was also very excited by how stunning these wigs were in this film. I know, right? They were so good. like Especially because Kate uh, Blanchett's hair is not that dissimilar to that wig, but that wig was perfectly coiffed. Booney Mara's wig was just like this weird alien look that was very in in the 50s, and it suited her so well.
0: I mean, the outfits in general.
1: I'm, I'm never happy
0: with a fur coat,
1: but it suits the era. And I really loved how, like, the, the attention to detail. The fact that Therese always looked like she was wearing, like, well-worn clothes because she's not very wealthy. Um, you know, there's attention to detail in that. I hate it when you watch a film and you're meant to believe someone that is poor or doesn't have a lot of money and they're walking around in what is clearly a designer um, outfit or something that's been specially made and barely worn yes. it's like this, there's just like so many layers of depth in this um that horrible lime greeny kind of colored uh minty green paint she was putting on the wall i was like that is very 1950s oh,
0: yeah it was awful also guaranteed that paint was definitely containing like arsenic or like Bed. lead something that would kill them
1: well, I really enjoyed um, kind of revisiting this one because I hadn't watched it for a good couple of years, so it was definitely worth a revisit and reminded me that I should probably be revisiting this more often um, because it is just a genuinely great film. And I think personally, it's up there with um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire um, as being one of the best. Ooh,
0: high praise, yes. One of the
1: best um, kind of lesbian
0: film oh yeah i think it's i think it's just beautifully made beautifully done obviously as we've said numerous times incredibly important um and yeah i just i mean i revisit it every year since it came out and i will continue to do so uh it's (laughs) a little christmas tradition it's now one of my yeah it is now like it's a christmas tradition where i just have to at some point in the holidays sit down and put on carol yeah. So yeah, I'm glad I'm glad I picked it as well. Uh, so yeah, what uh, what
1: was your pick for this week? So? so I definitely had to go for something that I watch pretty much every year and have done since I was a child, which is uh, the 1994 um, version of Little Women starring Susan Sarandon. Uh, Winona Ryder, Claire Danes, Kirsten Dunst, uh, Christian Bale, um, Mary Wicks, fucking lover. Um, she's crap top again. Um, <laughs> and it's directed by <laughs> Julian Armstrong, and of course based on the novel by um, Louisa May Alcott. And of course, um, it is such a Christmassy film because so much of the story centres around Christmas, um, and it also kind of centres around um the life of these sisters and their mother or mommy um and they are living in a time of turmoil their father is away at war um and they are um spending time trying to um survive themselves and help others whilst always also being kind of allowed this sense of freedom to be able to pursue their own passions um whilst having to try and obviously um be confined to um, the expectations of women at the time. And they meet their um, neighbor, Laurie, and they have lots of adventures with him and potential romances and all these sorts of things happen. Um, And uh, it's just one of those films that no matter how sad it is at moments, there, I just really love coming to it every single year to come and see what Joe is up to and revisit Uh, their dynamic. I think in this version, I've seen nearly every version that's been made on film except for the one in the 70s. Um, And I think that the chemistry between all of these um, sisters in particular is so believable and relatable and you enjoy being in their presence. And it hurts even more when they get hurt or I mean, when Beth dies, fucking hell. Um, <laughs> it, always, it always reminds me of that scene in Friends where Joey cannot read on. He's like, Beth's really ill. And then he decides to put the book in the freezer <laughs> because they they can't, he um, can't face that. Um, <laughs> and oh my God, it just breaks my heart every single time. When I saw the 2019, 2019? God, it was, yeah, it was before the pandemic. The Greta Gerwig one. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I saw the 2019 version, I mean, I was a fucking mess in the cinema because I, I must have been in a real state because I just cried for like the whole two hours. I was this poor woman next to me who I, I had no idea who, who she was, but she must have just thought, oh my God, why is this woman whimpering throughout the entire thing? So I was like, oh my God, Beth is going to die. Oh my God, Beth is ill. Beth died. Throughout the whole thing, I was just so sad, and it was one of those things where you know you have to dash to the ladies afterwards to like redo all of your well, not redo but just mop up all of the makeup and everything that are just drowned on your face. Um, and it's just oh, and I have it with this as well. It's definitely the kind of thing where you're like you're watching. I often watch watch it every year with my mother and um, I'm watching it and we're both there kind of sniffling and crying into pillows whilst trying to not acknowledge to each other that we're crying all the way through it Um, but it's such a great film it's just so heartwarming and personally I love it also because there is this real feminist undertone to it as well which I just love and you know. As you all know uh, from many of the episodes so far, happening to um, also include uh, Winona Ryder, she is just perfection in this film.
0: Oh, you you cannot beat Winona Ryder. I fucking love her. <laughs> she's just she's just incredible. Like what an awesome human, <laughs> just in general. Uh... <laughs> yeah, and so talented, like ridiculously talented. Yeah.
1: She's amazing, and she brings so much to the character of Joe, who is this beam of energy who um, doesn't... She knows the rules, but she wants... She's always breaking them in terms of etiquette and how women are meant to behave. She's so um, joyous in just being who she is at so many different parts of the story, and yet she's also someone who is so lost in many ways and takes a long time to really who she is and she, I think Winona Ryder just brings so much to this character this boisterousness um and this um kind of charisma that you really need um for the character of Jo so I always love this this version because uh she's just stunning
0: in it yeah she really is and I also I Winona Ryder throughout her career has always managed to do that sort of gender queer or like androgynous sort of gender bending type mm. look or role or or just like energy and i think she does that so well in this film there's
1: definitely like some uh, a bit of like masculine energy kind of coming through in in joe as a character and she definitely brings that with it or helps to.
0: yeah well i it. mean there's been there's there's been like debates throughout the years of whether or not she's like queer or or trans. Um, Who? Winona Ryder or Joe? Joe. Joe. Okay. Sorry, yeah, Joe. <laughs> I like, okay.
1: Uh... <laughs> well, I don't know. No. I think that because um, Louisa May Alcott originally, uh, of course, if you've seen the 2019 version, they address this, but um, she originally did not want. For Joe to have um, a love interest in the story. Yes. And um, she felt for, uh, kind of pressured to do so by her publishers because Joe really was Louisa May Alcott in many ways. And Louisa May Alcott never married. Um, and I don't know what reason that was for. Um, I don't, obviously, I don't know her sexual orientation or how she would identify herself or whether it was just circumstantial. But, um, I think that I don't know whether she. I don't know whether she perhaps is a queer woman.
0: Well, there there was. uh, They did. uh, Louise May Alcott did an interview in 1883, um, and they said, "I'm more than half persuaded uh, that I am a man's soul put by some freak of nature into a woman's body, because I have fallen in love with so many pretty girls and never once." The least bit with any man. You
1: really do manage to do all the research to make sure that everything we talk about is <laughs>
0: queer as fuck. <laughs> um... <laughs> Look, it's my true passion in life. Just uh... <laughs> special skill. Um... <laughs> wow, I did not
1: know that, but that explains so much because Joe, in many ways, is so similar to that because she she does not draw the line on her, on gender presentation she flips and flops between um femininity and masculinity and she's all over the place in her mannerisms and her
0: um yeah she's so gender fluid and um like confident when yeah I just I love it I it just felt so queer which is the bit I hated was the bit where Joe gets with a man I was (laughs) just like oh it just doesn't feel right it doesn't sit right i don't get it i don't get the love interest i don't understand the only <laughs> like, i realized the it. only reason i kind of got it even though i know that it was not the original
1: intention for um the author was because joe i think fell for him because of his intellect there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of kind of romance there and i can see that you might fall for someone for their intellect i think
0: that's that not, it's not necessarily like a sexual attraction for her. No, but that's, that's kind of why I like, I wish that this film had ended or had been done more in a way where instead of <laughs> they got married, it was like, they were really close. And so you can interpret it if you want to as they're together, but they're not. And um, he comes because he's got her book. And then he, she asks if he will teach in her school yeah and they're a close friend. same as her and laurie had like a a platonic from her point of view relationship
1: like a relationship built on respect basically rather than any kind of love
0: yeah like no 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 sexual undertoes no nothing like that like very much yeah just two buddies who uh, respect and love each other and work well together and lift each other up and have this deep deep love for each other just not in a romantic way
1: exactly I mean, hello, asexual, of course I love that idea. But um, I think that uh, also the fact that he is an older man who has not married, it could easily fall into also only being interested in an intellectual relationship, perhaps, Um, because there's no indication that he's ever had any other kind of relationship, that he's only ever been kind of uh, (laughs) dedicated to his his love of of philosophy, I believe he's a... Uh, philosophy teacher. yes so therefore you could definitely just interpret that as, as being a reason why they might be drawn together but not because uh, you can see that that's why they are drawn together in, in the film they are drawn together because of their he's fascinated when she talks about um, her parents being i want to say is it transcendentalists um, yes. and which is obviously quite interesting um, religious and social movement um and he's fascinated by that and you can see that he's intrigued by her because she's this kind of interesting intellectual creature um a woman no less
0: um and (laughs) And sticks up for like like stands up for women's rights to vote and and feminism and it has these really well thought out intellectual like super intelligent arguments yeah. that just shut down a group of men who <laughs> a lot of them did agree with her in the first place anyway, but some of them were very much just like dumb little women, can't vote. But she um, she has
1: the um the knowledge and the wherewithal to be able to argue it in a way where there is no way of coming back from that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Which I just think is is like I love that. I love that about the character and I love that anyone would be attracted to that in and i don't mean in a i'm attracted to you way in a oh oh we're both into this drawn together like drawn to it because of this way of thinking that we have and we both stimulate each other's brains and we talk about things and it's just it's just this incredible inte- intellectual mutual respect based friendship
1: yeah i think that would and have been ruined it with a ring <laughs> Well, I mean, we don't really see them get married, do we? Um, so We don't see them get married. So but I'm like... pretty sure like the later novels, which I've not read, are um, all like Jo and her boys and things like that. So like clearly uh, she has children and, and all that sort of stuff later on,
0: um, which I'm assuming yeah. um, she would have done through in a marriage. Or they could both be queer and just decide they want to start a family as friends. Yeah,
1: foster all the queer kids in the town. Your parents have kicked Love you it. out.
0: Come, live with us. We will be intellectual We're together. We're the Larry and Lloyd of... Oh, yes.
1: Bring it back to Ballamia leader. Well, I think also one of the things, like, apparently the house in this, uh, like, the the marcher's house in this is based off of Louise May Alcott's Hatchel house, which you can apparently go and visit. Oh, no way. Um, and, of course, like, it was produced by Denise Dinovy, queen of my heart, um, who <laughs> designs, like so many like producers so many amazing films and by that
0: I mean like some of them are absolute trash and I fucking love them um (laughs) so I'm sorry anyone who claims not to love trash is lying trash is incredible exactly
1: but um I that's another reason why I love to revisit this particularly at Christmas but um it's just so cozy that house um and therefore and their relationships as well i mean i would love to have an attic with um a full chest of dressing up stuff and i mean talking
0: about queer i mean that gay pirate um <laughs> oh honestly the outfits the moustaches the hats i just everything about it the fact that they all sit around being men yeah together writing and reading this newspaper i loved it i i felt so seen only i didn't have any friends to do that with so i just used to do it by myself um, <laughs> but um, i i just thought it was incredible and and the the supportive mum like obviously susan sarandon is just incredibly supportive mm. full stop in everything but in this like the mum was just such a supportive incredible role model like what a woman i mean she's amazing and she she
1: what i love is that she fosters so much independence in her children she allows them to express themselves and not be limited by their gender
0: which also is is shown in so many ways one of which as you were saying is the dress up well i think what it does do
1: is even if it's not like overtly queer it's definitely overtly um liberal and feminist feminist 100 percent Um, All of the characters, regardless of like what their um, journeys end up being, all do it intentionally and they all are valid for what they choose. Jo wants to um, have a career and she wants to pursue that as a woman and she goes and does it. Meg wants to marry for love but doesn't necessarily have to be anyone rich and she does that just like her parents did. Amy knows that she wants to marry somebody rich and she does that and she has no apologies. She says, you know, it's okay for us to know what we want and to pursue that. I mean, if you want to get really morbid, Beth kind of gets uh yeah, if you want to get morbid, Beth kind of says, I only ever want to stay at home and she never really leaves the
0: home. Which also she said, I never wanted any of the stuff that you guys wanted. Mm. Like, I, I, I was happy here. I just wanted to stay here. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that she did. Like, obviously, it's unfortunate that she died young, but she, she still lived the life that she wanted.
1: Ah, oh, that moment where Claire Danes is holding that baby um, at the house where they have Scott, and she, her lip is quivering, and she's, like, clearly so overwhelmed by the experience. Oh my god. It's one of my favourite pieces of acting ever. I think it just says everything. Claire Dane's nailed it. So good in this. Um, Yeah.
0: Incredible. And you have
1: to be because you have to be somebody who is so almost angelically lovely and sweet and childlike without it being irritating and you have to care when she dies. (laughs) and she does
0: it. Well yeah, if you if you cuz she doesn't have a huge amount of screen time. Mm. Really. Like it's not a story based around her. No, but she leaves such an impact.
1: Oh my god. Because
0: not. and it's not it's not in a it's not in a oh sweet younger sister way or whatever. It's it's a fully formed complete character that you care for deeply
1: well she she brings together like the neighbors like laurie's father doesn't really want to interact with the marchers until he um fosters some kind of relationship through beth and her love of music um and brings together these these different people she's the one who who always supports her family and her sisters and yet is always thinking of others and always thinking of What's the right thing to do?
0: And although she doesn't believe in herself, she believes in everyone around her and lifts them up. And then when they turn around and lift her up, Mm. she will, although she might not believe them in the sense that she thinks that she is good enough to write or good enough to play, she does it because they lift her up enough and she's open enough Mm. to take that on. But her, her main thing is, her ability to bring people together and lift people up. And its it, I think it, she's just got an incredible character.
1: Oh, definitely. And, I mean, Claire Danes was phenomenal in this. Absolutely phenomenal.
0: Oh, absolutely flawless. I mean, they all were. You could not fault <laughs> a cast member in this.
1: No, definitely not. Um, I always found, like, Christian Bale's um, Laurie to be a little bit floppy, but, <laughs> like, a little bit... But I
0: kind of thought that was kind was, of intentional like. yeah possibly um because especially if you look at the time floppy was in style like the, floppy like was the, dandy. the thing. bloody hugh grant oh you mean in the 90s yes oh, i thought you
1: yeah. meant like
0: in the 1880s or whenever this is fucking no fair. no 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 i no, i mean i mean in the 90s right
1: um yeah i guess so i guess so um <laughs> i don't know i always found him to be a bit wet but i think his character is meant to be a bit wet so that's fair enough
0: um, like a little bit. God. Well, yeah, because you've got you've got the the strong character in the friendship with you, which is Joe, and then the wet character. Like... But
1: I think that's why Amy is a better suit for Laurie, because she is willing to perhaps be a little more submissive than Joe ever but would also, be. She,
0: she also pushes him to be a better person. Yeah. Whereas Joe. Joe is quite focused on how to improve herself herself and how to bring herself forward and not so much how to push others into doing what they should or you think they should be doing and that's not a negative on either side of those traits like both are have their merits both have their flaws um Well Amy does some awful but... stuff
1: in the film but she still is able to recognise in the people that she cares about people when they need help. So 100%. obviously she's 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 a flawed character, but she is also a realistic character in that way. And yeah, she she definitely helps Laurie in many ways. Like Joe helps Laurie by introducing him to her family and taking him out of this like well of loneliness that he has. Yes. Um, but Amy helps him her helps him to find himself when he's struggling as a young adult to um uh, or say young adult a young man to kind of decide which way he needs to be his life well, he's
0: he's flailing and he's wasting all of these incredible opportunities that he has mm. um which is is such a normal thing to do but it's also hard to see if you're not in such a place of privilege yeah it's hard to watch someone squander their privilege yeah um and she pushes him to work and become the man that she sees him being able to be which then in turn is giving her the life she wants
1: but also I think she sees how like her own family like Joe um wants to be able to do half the things that Laurie can do with ease. And the fact that he's throwing it away kind of annoys her. And she, she's not yeah. nice necessarily about the way that she goes around supporting him to um, overcome his, his difficulties and find a focus. She kind of says, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> you know, you have this opportunity. Why are you not taking it? Because as a woman, I wouldn't have a chance of doing this. You
0: know, I have to marry for yeah. money. I can't necessarily make my money,
1: or it'd be very hard to do so. Yeah, she
0: couldn't even have a fucking bank account. Exactly. Like, so uh, sometimes someone does just need a swift slap around the face yeah. to like be pushed in the right direction, especially if you're in such a fucking privileged position. Yeah, and you are squandering it. Like, yes, I understand that it could be hard because you've had your life sort of planned out for you. Mm-hmm. But you can still have a say in your life. Just don't squander the opportunities.
1: Exactly. Though, it does make me wonder, you know, there's that scene earlier in the film. Now, I genuinely can't remember who it was, but there's certainly one March sister that is riding on the back of Laurie like he's a horse. And if that's Amy, yes. then that's basically what she does later on as well. There's a lot of foreshadowing in that sense. She, you know, her controlling him, her taming him.
0: Oh. Not in that okay. way. You fucking dirty <laughs> bitch. No, I was so... I was like, whoa, so what the fuck? Where no, are you going? No, no. <laughs> um, Moving on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, one of the other things I like, obviously we've talked about this being quite a feminist text, and we've talked about how... Um, potentially a queer text and all sorts of readings into this. But one thing that I particularly liked as well was um, how the marches were described, and it's very lightly mentioned as being anti-slavery. So again, we get to see them um, as having, being this kind of more morally upright people, people with with values um, who are not going to let their own vanity mean that they will demean and abuse um or allow the mistreatment of other people for their own benefit Uh, because it's mentioned that they have views on silk um and from that line alone we know that they're talking about slavery and 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 the fact that it is is wrong immorally it's morally wrong yeah
0: um and 100 and
1: no i just love that they they're not perfect that all of the characters in the march family make mistakes at times. Um, I mean, for example, Meg gets caught up in her own vanity of trying to experience what it might be like to be a person from a a richer background. Um, And she allows herself to be um, dressed up in other people's clothes, and to act like um, a debutante when she that is not who she is. And in many ways, kind of goes a little against her, her, her general values. So they all have these kind of, you know, things about them that are not necessarily perfect, um, but they do have at the core of them these fundamental values,
0: which I believe. Which, if you have that core and that foundation of goodness, yeah, and good morals, you can stray a little bit with experiencing things like, like you were saying, like that, like with uh, Amy throwing the paper the manuscript on the fire mm. like there's there's everything that you can do these little things yeah because they're not things that are so morally wrong like slavery yeah that like because you're you've got everything based on this good foundation so you will bounce back to that yes
1: yeah. i think also that another reason why i love watching this at christmas that time of year where you want to feel good is that um, so many, well, basically all of the marches um, are these characters that have this kind of goodness in them that they are always thinking of how to kind of help the other. So sometimes that's through boycotting certain fabrics because they don't agree with yes. slavery. Other times it's donating their Christmas breakfast because to a family that has no food. Um, and it's Which and, is just a beautiful scene and it's joe cutting all her hair off to help her father um to sell her hair you know these selfless moments that you see you know the fact that beth only becomes ill because she um goes to help people who are less fortunate than her so the fact that you have these um these genuinely pure people at heart regardless of their flaws their arrogance their temper their you know the mistakes. they are these good people at heart and we see this generosity of spirit that um i think really suits watching it at christmas time as well plus there's loads of
0: snow and (laughs) and the 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 humor throughout it Mm. like when they do take that christmas breakfast Joe shouts out that they're going for like it's a lovely day for a picnic exactly. in the middle of a snowstorm. Like it's got all these things. It, they, they they do self-deprecating humor. Mm. They like it's just but they're so harsh to each other. When she um cuts off her hair, Amy's like, "You're one good feature." <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> oh, oh, bitch! I was like, "Firstly, do not ever say that to a <laughs> writer." So,
1: Especially because like, like, Winona Ryder had like a pixie haircut at that time. She's wearing a wig in this. <laughs> but yeah. So if, this was just a really nice film to revisit. Um, it's one, I, as I said, I always get it
0: out every year. Um, and Which is very uh, different so to my, that's very different to my experience with this film. So I think I've seen this film once before, <gasps> maybe twice. Oh my God and I've never seen any of the others. Okay. Including the 2019 one. Have you not? No, I it's know. On Netflix I know. At the and, I, and I'm going to watch it. I am. Um, it's one that I've been meaning to watch since 2019. Uh, you know, I'm really good at procrastinating. I know you don't know what that's oh, like. I know. Um, <laughs> but so this is the only version of this I've seen and I saw right. it years ago. I haven't seen it since I've been an adult. Right. Um but I remembered a lot more about it than I thought I would because it's iconic. Well, yes, and I mean the cast alone. <laughs> fuck me, it's it's, um, it's stunning. It's a lot longer than I remembered it. Was oh, it like two hours? Well, the book's bloody long. <laughs> I've never read the book either. Oh, see, That's like my literally the only the only like way into version it, of yeah. this I have ever had is by seeing this version i mean it's a great version once maybe twice before it's a great oh i'm not complaining that i've seen it
1: (laughs) for me it's my favorite
0: of the little women films that i've seen okay um well i want to i definitely want to watch the 2019 one uh i might watch that this christmas yeah it's just for the for me
1: this is this is the one my sister had it on vhs so um this is always the version that we watched growing up in the 90s and everything and it's the one that we get out pretty much every year and have a good good cry and a good watch along to, um and yeah singing along with all the songs and everything it's it's just a really cozy film and to me it definitely speaks christmas because so many times they're brought together as family um through um it coming to that time of year once again
0: yeah and i think i think that's really sweet that you have that like history with it Yeah, so that was it for this week. Um, So to find out what we are going to be watching next week, follow us on Instagram at Heavenly Features.
1: And it continues to be gay and reminiscent of my childhood.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Heavenly Features. We are at Heavenly Features Pod on Instagram and Heavenly Features Pod on YouTube. And we are Heavenly Feats Pod on Letterboxd and Twitter. Uh, Head over to our Instagram and Twitter and give us a follow if you want to watch along with us. We'll be announcing what films we'll be talking about the next week. And please rate, review and subscribe. This podcast was brought to you by 18 Maiden Lane Productions.